I know that for myself, I've been away from uh, home for the last couple weeks. Um, summer times, as you know, are, are busy times for me. And, um, I, and, I, and I'm thankful for the opportunity uh, to preach God's word and to, to be with uh, the next generation of young people. And this is a, a time of, of ministry. Um, I know that uh, it's very appealing to me here in Colorado to spend my summertime uh, doing some things that would be um, enjoyable to rest and get out and see all the beauty that Colorado has. And I think that's a wonderful thing to do. And I'll have a little time, hopefully, uh, before school starts maybe to do some of that. But uh, this is a season that uh, every year for the last, I don't know, uh, a little more than a decade, uh, God has opened doors of opportunity to preach to uh, thousands of young people. And, um, and so I've been out away. And so I have really enjoyed today's Lord's Day, meeting with uh, you this morning, being a part of the fellowship and uh, being able to, to sing with you and to pray with you and um, to, uh, to enjoy the Lord's Supper together and then to be able to spend some time uh, with my wife and, and uh, Juliana today and uh, be able to take this moment right now with all of us and, and open up the Bible uh, with your family right there where you are and uh, be able to speak the Word of God tonight and remind us uh, what God has for us from His Word going into this week. Uh, this has uh, been a wonderful day. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord. I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing how God uses these days. I know that our young people uh, here at Front Range were at camp this week, and uh, I was in fervent prayer for them and constant contact with uh, Pastor Matt and uh, seeing what God was doing in our young people's lives and so grateful um, for his work and his leadership in their lives and many good decisions. And we'll hear about many of those next week. Uh, today, I've already had several who've, uh, a couple talked to me about baptism next week. And so we're looking forward for our baptism service. Uh, we're gonna hear some testimonies and we're gonna just rejoice in the Lord together uh, next Lord's Day. So I'll be praying for that. Uh, take just a moment right now and uh, uh, maybe comment about something the Lord has done in your heart, something God is speaking to you about or something that uh, God, God taught you today. I don't know what, whatever the Lord's doing in your heart, but encourage others. Um, I, know that, uh, I know that there are a lot of folks today who, uh, who are going through some trying times and some needy times and a word of encouragement from a fellow Christian would mean the world to them. Uh, Looking forward to uh, uh, this upcoming school year and the fall. And as we grow as a church and we, we begin to uh, uh, really put to, to, uh, to action some of the things that God is teaching us uh, through our, our study of the book of Acts and even here in First uh, and Second Peter that we've been through uh, as, we, as we develop ministries and look for opportunities to serve, I pray that you'll have a heart ready uh, to be a, a, a person who is uh, engaged and involved and looking for how God can use you uh, in his work. I know he wants to do it. Be finding tonight, 2 Peter chapter 
2, 2 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to just take uh, a few verses in this passage of scripture tonight, and we're going to look at something that we've been talking about uh, the last few weeks in terms of false teachers, and we're going to see tonight some things that will mark them, and as we come to the end of this chapter, uh, what their what their end is, and so find that tonight, 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for uh, the opportunity to uh, fellowship with your people at the Lord's table today. Thank you for the means by which we can open your word and share together in God's word tonight. Thank you for um, the fact that, Lord, you're working in the lives of, of your people. Thank you for the good decisions and many um, wonderful things that you've done in the hearts of our young people this last week. And uh, as I uh, come to this passage of scripture tonight, I'm so acutely aware of uh, these last days and the dangers that um, are, uh, are all around us. And I pray that as believers, we would have a firm grip on your word tonight. So Lord, we pray that you'll speak to us. Lord, bless those in our church family in need, uh, those that are going through great physical trials, uh, those that are in spiritual decision, that you would give wisdom, that you would give direction and understanding. Lord, may all of us pursue you in these days in Jesus' name, amen. Second uh, Peter chapter two, Peter is writing uh, about authentic Christianity. And he's talking about uh, how Christians who have become partakers of the divine nature, and that is very, very, very key to understanding the book of Second Peter. In chapter two, in chapter one, I want you to go back and look at it. In chapter one, uh, hold your finger right there in uh, chapter two, and notice what he says in verse number three: "According as His divine power hath given unto us." all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so he's talking to believers who have come to this knowledge of Christ. And it's not just a knowledge with the mind, it is a knowledge with the heart. It's an epinosis. It goes beyond just knowing something and knowing it experientially, knowing Christ personally through salvation. And that knowing of Christ, that receiving of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been given a divine nature. John says, as many as received him to them gave he power. Just like Peter said, we have this divine power. We have this power this authority to be called the sons of God. And so uh, this is a new birth. Being born again has the idea of being born from above. It's a heavenly birth and there is a new nature. And so we've been born again. And so Peter is talking to people who have, it, who have truly been born again by grace through faith, uh, a simple plan of salvation and yet a, a true salvation that brings the life of God into this believer. And now he said, I want you to give diligence to add to that 
virtue and temperance. And we went through all of those things as we grow in those graces and we grow in those characters. And it's the growing in Christ. And, and Peter warns, people who do not grow in that are those who soon forget that they were purged from their old, old sins. They become blind. They do not see afar off. And eventually they can be drawn back into the corruption of sin, not, not to the losing of their salvation, but to the destruction uh, of their lives to sin. And so th these are great warnings. He's talking about authentic Christianity, that there's a new nature and that new nature is going to grow in its godliness, in its Christ-likeness, to be growing more in Christ. Peter's gonna end this epistle with, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the essence of the Christian life. We came into this Christian life by grace through the knowledge of Christ, and we grow in the Christian life through grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's authentic Christianity. It's very simple, yet it's, it's, uh, it's intensely spiritual, and it is very practical. And so um, it cannot be derived by by our own wills, it cannot, be, it cannot be done by our own works. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's all through Christ and the knowledge of Christ. So I'm not overcomplicating salvation or oversimplifying the Christian life. I'm just simply saying this, salvation is by grace through faith without works, but it is a salvation that we've been saved to work, created in Christ Jesus, new creatures in him. And we're gonna see that. Because what Peter's establishing here is this basis for authentic Christianity, that it is a true birth into a new life of godliness, the life of Christ within the believer, and it's a life that is to be grown in and to be, and to be maturing in. And, and he said, I want you to, to warn you, I want you to be very aware that there are going to be false teachers who come in among you and they bring in with them damnable heresies. They come in with covetousness. They come in to make merchandise of you. They come in to spy out your liberties and they come in to seduce and beguile unstable souls. We're gonna talk about that in just a moment. And these are false teachers, false believers that come in and, and, and we've seen this even in our generation, in our lifetime, my lifetime, I've seen uh, the rise of uh, of the charismatic movement, the health and wealth and prosperity, and of people that claimed uh, all sorts of extra spiritual things and drew people into these, to these false ideas of the gospel. And then we've seen that corruption further in our world today with this now um, conglomeration of, of, of new ageism and humanism and secularism all mingled in to Christianity and it's a very dangerous and deceitful world, but we've been warned about, about that. Remember, uh, we're not ignorant of this. The Bible tells us, uh, Jesus told us in the last days, there will be many false Christs that come into the world. Uh, he, he, he warned us over and over again that, um, that there would be false teachers that come in. And uh, Paul warned about that in the last days they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And, and we've done that today. We're heaping to ourselves teachers. 
Today we have podcasts available and, and YouTubers and Facebookers and, and through all the social media and the, and the platforms that we have today for people to advance their causes as false teachers um, and teaching things that on the surface may appear to be truth, but deep down they're motivated by, by the wrong things. And, and so this is what Peter is uh, bringing to our attention how that authentic Christians need to be aware of unauthentic teaching so that we can, we can deliver ourselves from that and we can keep the church pure from that and uh, we can carry out the gospel and he's gonna eventually get to chapter three on what kind of people we need to be in these end days. But if we're not aware of the false teachers, we'll never be uh, the, the kind of teachers and Christians that we ought to be in the world. And the Peter's gonna, he's gonna ask that question at the end of this book with all the things that are going on and how we see the end of the world coming, what kind of people we ought to be. Well, we ought to be authentic and uh, we need to be real, we need to be true. And uh, uh, we don't just need to be some, some uh, a model, uh, plastic model of what we think a Christian, having a form of godliness, but no power in that. We want the power, we want the power to deliver and be, be able to make impact in the world. And so look with me tonight. Uh, I hope you understand that very quick review and an overview of the book and what Peter's trying to accomplish with authentic Christianity. But notice what he says in verse number 12. He says, but these, speaking now of false teachers, chapter two, verse 12, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not. And they shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And they shall receive reward of unrighteousness and as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls and heart that uh, a, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Now look at, he's marking them. He's giving us an understanding by way, by which we may know who they are and to identify them. They have forsaken the right way and have gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. That dumb ass speaking, remember the donkey? The donkeys cannot talk, they're dumb, but God loosed the tongue of that donkey. And the dumbass spoke to Balaam and rebuked him. And uh, God was warning him and, and forbade the madness of this prophet, a man who was motivated by covetousness to bring a curse upon the people of God. Uh, this is what false teachers are doing. Look at what he says, verse 17. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried uh, with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, boy, they can, they can give an oration, they can give a speech, they can... Man, they, but at the, when you all boil it down, it was just empty. It was nothingness. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. Now watch this. Who do they get? 
those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are entangled again therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now there's a lot to unpack in a very short amount of time and I wanna give you just a few things here. The key to understanding this passage of scripture about false prophets and false teachers and um, unauthentic, non-authentic uh, believers is found for us in verse number 12. These as natural brute beasts. The Bible refers to them as natural brute beasts. And he, he, he wants us to understand that by nature, these are still people in their sin. They are in the natural beast state. These are people who remember what uh, Paul said, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of, of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. Now he may be able to intellectually grasp the concepts and principles, but he does not know the voice of the spirit of God. Why? Because he's a natural man. He's not been spiritually born from above. And so that's who these false teachers are. These teachers are lost. They may speak of salvation. They may talk of the Lord Jesus Christ. They may speak of these spiritual things, but they do not understand them. They do not understand them. Look what the Bible says. Uh, verse number 12, they speak evil of things they understand not. They do not understand them spiritually. Why? Because the, thing, the things of the Spirit of God are spiritually discerned. Only the Spirit of God within a born-again Christian can understand the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man receives them not. And so he's speaking here of these natural brute beasts. And he said, I want you to understand that these false teachers are known and marked by these marks. Number one, their attitude. Their attitude. Now, we talked about this last week, so I won't belabor this, but their attitude is these are people who are rebellious. Their attitudes are, are stubborn, unsubmissive. They are proud and they're presumptuous. They, they are going to bullheadedly go about their business without any awareness of anything around them. They, they don't have a submitted heart to God. They don't have a submitted heart to spiritual authority. They are proud, they are stubborn, they are rebellious. And we, we saw that last week, their attitude is presumptuous. They just are going to do what they're going to do and no one is going to, uh, to stop them. So their attitude is rebellious. Their attitude is proud, their attitude is presumptuous. Not only that, but their actions. Look at their actions. They speak evil of things that they don't understand. Not only do they speak evil, of things that they don't understand. But notice this, uh, it says they speak evil, verse 12, of things that they understand not and shall utterly perish with their own corruption. Their actions are, uh, are, are basically words. Notice, notice, down, uh, notice down in verse number uh, 
uh, verse number, verse number uh, 13. And they receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots are they uh, and blemishes, sporting themselves with you, deceiving while they feast with you. Uh, these, their actions are, are actions of, uh, of word. They are actions of deceit. They are actions of covetousness. They are actions of, of, of spending their time with you while they're trying to draw you to themselves. This is the action of false teachers. They, they are constantly pulling people to follow them. Listen, authentic teachers and authentic Christians are signposts pointing people to Christ. They're constantly speaking of the greatness of God. They're, they're constantly pointing people to God's word and to God's son. Uh, but false people are always talking about themselves. They're constantly alluring people away from truth and bringing people through deception and through things um, with, with swelling words, bringing people along to their side, their side of the coin. And, and this, is, this is not the true uh, action of a child of Christ. The child of Christ is going to do uh, all that he can to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. We speak of the Lord, we praise the Lord, we glorify the Lord, we witness for the Lord. Uh, we, we talk about his word. And uh, those that are false, they're constantly alluring people to their side. Uh, listen, we're, we're not here to draw people to us. We're here to win souls for Christ. We're here to win uh, and to draw people into a closer walk and relationship with the Lord. So false teachers, their attitude is rebellious. Their attitude is proud. Their attitude is presumptuous. Their actions are words of things that they speak uh, deceitfully and they speak evil of things that they do not understand to bring people to their side. Thirdly, I want you to see their appetites. Look at their appetites in verse 13. Uh, the Bible says they, they, um, they, they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. They, they uh, also sport themselves with you while they feast with you. Notice in verse 14, they have eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. They beguile unstable souls. They have a heart that is exercised with covetous practices. What are their appetites? Their appetites are flesh and sensual. They, they, it's pleasure to them to riot in the daytime. It's not just enough for them to live lives of, of sin uh, behind closed doors. They want to flaunt it. They, they enjoy um, living in the flesh and calling it liberty, calling it freedom in Christ. I'm free, I can do what I will. And, and that's not, that's a perversion of grace. It's turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Uh, but their appetites are all flesh and covetous. Uh, they, they get fulfillment from the ones they deceive. They come right in, the, in, in broad daylight during the feast, during the time that people are gathered together. They sit down with them and they begin to talk divisively, deceitfully, drawing people away, drawing people to themselves. And they call it sport. Uh, they want to see if they can get people to come to their side. Now, listen. They may even deceive themselves and say that what they're doing is a noble cause, 
But the truth of the matter is, in broad daylight, they're creating division, they're, they're deceiving, they're bringing people over uh, to, to their point of view. They're trying to create sides within the church, and this is something that they, it's sporting to them. Uh, they're, they're devious. I've been around church long enough to know that I, I have seen people come in and they find joy and satisfaction and a game in trying to create church splits and division within the church. They love to go person to person and, 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 and just set fires between people. And they find joy in that. There's a bad, there's an evil spirit in that. Uh, there's a, this is, their appetite is all fleshly. Uh, listen, one of the great marks of, of false teachers today um, I'm talking about many of these mega church leaders and people who are uh, who are uh, out uh, trying to seduce people to follow a false ideology. Uh, what are they doing? Uh, listen, truth, truth is not their intent. Seduction is. Uh, they are not intent on preaching the truth. They're they're intent on seducing people. Uh, they, they will not take bold stands. They won't draw hard lines. They won't stand up and declare, this is what the Bible says. No, rather, they, they circumvent uh, divisive things and they, with alluring words, try to bring people into a fellowship of themselves. Their job is not to preach the truth. They're trying to seduce and gain a following. They're not preaching the word they're building a following. So they appeal to a fleshly message. They appeal to a self-centered message. Uh, that's exactly what these men are doing. Uh, the Bible says in verse 14, they have eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin. Uh, these are people who are covetous. Uh, it says here in verse 14, they've exercised themselves with covetous practices. He said earlier in the chapter, they are covetous. They make merchandise of you. They are looking to sell something, to gain something, that they are living lavish lifestyles all the while trying to ask for more donation, for more help uh, in, in, in the name of Christ. Th these, are, these are spots in our feasts. These are wells without water. These are clouds without rain. They're promising refreshment and they never give it. They promise fulfillment and never give it. They're bringing people in the promise of liberty. They're bringing people into bondage and their appetites are, are fleshly and carnal. Now listen, we, we, we're, we're living in a world today where there are many false teachers who are, who are just in it for a profit. Uh, they are not prophets. They claim to be prophets, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, but they're in it for profit, P-R-O-F-I-T. And they are preaching for gain and saying that gain is godliness. No, 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 no. Godliness with contentment is great gain. But these are false teachers and preachers. And the Bible says in the last days that we will heap to ourselves these teachers. And we have heaps of them today. People who are luring others away with false doctrine and false ideologies and who are their victims? I read it a moment ago. Their victims are those in verse 18 that were clean escape from them who live in error. 
They allure through lust of the flesh, verse 18. They allure by appealing to the desires of people's flesh through people's wantonness, um, through things that they want and their desires. They, they bring them along and they, they get those people who are, who are living in error. Those who are not walking in truth, they're, they're unstable souls. They're, they're maybe newer Christians or Christians who've not grown, who are not firm in their walk with God, who, who, who know some of the Bible, but only enough to be in trouble. They don't really know the way of truth and they beguile them and they draw them away. That's why it's so important what I preached this morning that we have a church that preaches and teaches sound doctrine, that we that we teach it to our children, that we engage even in times like this with our kids right now at your home, where we bring the word of God into their life and we as parents and families teach it and as our Sunday school teachers teach it and we have disciples that teach it and we build people up in their most holy faith so that we're not tossed as children to and fro with every false wind of doctrine, but that we are rooted and grounded in Christ, that we are as trees planted by the rivers of water that can grow and be fruitful. Uh, these these uh, weak um, uh, people who, who just simply live by the external trappings of the Christian life, we taste not, touch not, handle not, we have external standards, but we don't have a deep knowledge of the truth of God's word. We get, those get drawn away. They get pulled away. And how we need to be grounded in the word of God. And so that's what Peter's warning here. He said, I want you to see the marks of these false believers. Who are they? People in their attitude that are rebellious. People in their attitude that are stubborn and presumptuous. Their actions are with, with words and, and deceiving and seducing and, and drawing people to their side. And their appetites are, are seducing, covetous, self-gratifying. That's their appetite. They're in it for themselves. They're not in it for anything else but themselves. And I want you to see lastly tonight, their apostasy. Look at their apostasy, verse number 20. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. Their latter end is worse than them, than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, the, true, the dog is, is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her own wallowing in the mire. Now, these people are fully given over, turned completely over to their false doctrine. And it's, it's, it's a shame because these people have, have in some ways elevated themselves above the pollutions of sin through the knowledge of Christ. But wait, it was not a knowledge unto salvation. I'm gonna show that to you in just a moment. But it was not a knowledge unto salvation. These were apostates. These were people who tasted. They were partakers. And yet they did not enter in. I think of the illustration and one of the, 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 the people use this passage of scripture in 2 Peter 2 and they also use Hebrews chapter 6 as great launching points for teaching uh, the fact that you can lose your salvation. 
And they use these two passages of scriptures to show that, see, these people knew the Lord Jesus Christ. They were partakers and, and, and they fell away. Uh, those in, in Hebrews chapter six, they were partakers. They had tasted of the heavenly gift and they fell away and you cannot renew them. And if you read that whole context, that's exactly the opposite of what that passage of scripture is teaching. But he was showing in Hebrews six, just like he's showing here, with the idea that the illustration in Hebrews six is that the 12 spies went into the land of Canaan. They saw the land that God wanted them to take. They took of the fruits of Eschol. They saw the milk and honey. They partook of that. They went into that Jericho. They saw the walled cities that God had given to them. They ate of that fruit. They, they, they tasted of that milk and honey. And then in unbelief, they walked away. Um, they, their carcasses fell in the wilderness with an evil heart of unbelief. Joshua and Caleb, remember, they, they believed. They believed. They counted. Um, they believed. They took God at his word and it was counted to them for righteousness. And they entered into that rest. Now, now remember, this is not teaching that people can fall from their salvation. This is teaching that people can come into an intellectual understanding of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is somebody uh, who has escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and then to go back and fall into that bondage of corruption and notice how he distinguishes that these were not true believers because he begins with, in verse 12, their description that they were brute beasts, natural brute beasts. And in verse number 22, he comes back to calling them hogs and dogs. And he said, they took their knowledge of Christ to escape the world's pollution to a physical level in a human ability. But spiritually, they were never transformed. They had never become partakers of a divine nature. These were natural brute beasts. These were hogs and dogs. And they were still in their old nature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Remember, Jesus talked about this in, um, in Matthew chapter seven. Uh, this is Peter making a reference to the Lord's uh, Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus speaking to the religious elite of, of, uh, of Israel. And notice what Jesus said in, uh, in Matthew chapter seven, in verse number six, listen to this. He says, give not that which is holy unto dogs. Neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample under their feet and turn again and rend you. Uh, you can take holy things and cast it to the dogs. You can take your pearls and cast it to the swine, but they'll take those holy things and they'll defile them and they'll come back and they'll turn on you. Why? Because that's the nature of the beast. That's the nature of a dog. Remember, uh, dogs in the Bible... Uh, when Jesus was speaking, dogs were not the revered pet that they are today. They were not the pampered princesses in our houses who go get their 
groom, grooming and um, uh, are, are taken care of better than most people take care of their children. Uh, this is not talking about our pampered princesses. This is talking not about the revered pets, but the reviled pests. Dogs were oftentimes used um, out uh, uh, in the field. Uh, dogs were mangy. Dogs had disease. Dogs were unclean. Dogs were a, a term of defilement. Uh, God, Jesus, in his description of, uh, of the rich man, um, remember in Luke 16, in Jesus' description of that rich man in his, in his, um, in his wealth, to, to contrast that with showing how terribly impoverished and diseased Lazarus was, that he was full of sores and the dogs licked his sores. That was a detestable description of a man uh, terribly diseased. Dogs were not revered, they were reviled. Uh, pigs, you, we all know that in the Jewish custom, swine were filthy animals. Uh, they were, they were uh, despicable and considered abomination and unclean meat. Uh, they had no business, uh, Jews had no business with, 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 in business dealings with swine. That's why it was such a far fall for uh, the prodigal son to go to where he was laying in the pig pen, desiring to feed his belly on what the hogs were eating. That was a des description of a man uh, so far fallen. These hogs and dogs were unclean in their nature. And can I tell you, you can take an unclean dog and you can take an unclean hog and you can bring them into the house. You can wash them. You can scrub them. Take your little pink pig and scrub all the mud off of it. You can twist that little curl in the tail. You can put a bow on the neck. You can spray perfume on that pig. But the moment you open the door and outside they go, they're going straight to the mud. Same with a dog. You can take the dog to the, bay, to, 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 to the groomers and get a bath and get that dog all freshened up. But take him on a walk. The minute they find an old dead squirrel, they roll on it and want to get in that scent. Why? That's the nature of the dog. That's the nature of the hog. And Peter's showing here the apostasy of these false teachers that through their what they know of Christ, they have somewhat elevated themselves, brought themselves in among the people and lived a life that is surfacely clean, but in their heart, they are ravening dogs and hogs, craving the mud, craving the defilement of the world. And in due time, that's where they're gonna go. They're going back to their defilement. And the Bible says very clearly in verse number 12, that these brute beasts were made to be taken and destroyed. Uh, there's going to be a day when the false teachers are gonna stand before God and they're gonna say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? Did we not in your name cast out devils and perform miracles and do wondrous works? And he's gonna say, I never knew you. You workers of iniquity, covetous, proud, rebellious, presumptuous, deceivers, seducers, adulterers, covetous, 
merchandisers, dogs, and hogs. Depart from me. Depart from me. Oh, what a fearful thing. What a fearful thing. Hey, listen, salvation is simple. But it is, it is intensely spiritual. It is all the work of grace and the changing of the heart through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we are not coming into this salvation to get what we desire. We're coming into a salvation as his desire, as the glory of Christ, the reward for which he died, washed, cleansed, changed, renewed, born from above with a new nature. And if any man is in Christ, <laughs> if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things passed away, all things become new. And he has different desires and different affections. We need to be careful that we set our affections on those things that are above. And we die to that old man, crucify that old man and walk in the new man every day and let Christ be formed in us. What a joy to be an authentic Christian. What a danger to be a non-authentic, an imitator. What a great danger it is for these who claim to be teachers of Christ and our false teachers. Let's be aware of that. Let's not follow that. Let's stay true to the word of God. Father, I pray that you'll take these lessons tonight and that you'll uh, put them deep into our heart. Lord, may we walk in truth and may we teach the truth and speak the truth and may we glorify Christ. May we be a church uh, living for your glory, doing the things that we 